Hi, I'm Weber Nawaz. And I'm Chris Fleming. Welcome to another edition of Health Affairs This Week. Babe, the Biden administration has generally gotten pretty high marks for its management of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and at the end of last week, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, came out with guidance that fully vaccinated people didn't have to wear masks outdoors and, in fact, even indoors in most cases. Uh, that reflects the you know increasing scientific evidence that the vaccine protects against COVID infections, uh, vaccines, I should say, not just the standard issue, but the even some of the more contagious variants to, of the virus that we've heard so much about that have been circulating. And even when vaccinated people do get infected, they, they're unlikely to transmit the infection to others because their viral loads are not as high as uh, people who are unvaccinated. So, you know, all this sounds like good news, but uh, as it seems like is always the case these days, the announcement has generated a great deal of controversy, right? Uh, yeah, some of that reflects the way that the announcement was rolled out. Uh, there was no coordination with state or local governments, with agencies like OSHA and the EEOC, or with the private sector. Even the White House apparently found out about the coming guidance only the night before. And President Biden um, reportedly did not know until the morning of the announcement. Maybe this was a reflection of the Biden administration trying to retain a hands-off posture with regard to the CDC after, you know, the um, the current president has criticized his predecessor uh, for compromising the independence of the health and science agencies and trying to interfere with, you know, scientific findings. But some experts have stated that this confuses sort of like the power that the CDC, um, you know, has as, as it relates to, you know, they are supposed to follow science, but not set policy unilaterally. Right. Leanna Wen, uh, who is a frequent contributor to health affairs, had a nice piece uh, in The Washington Post the other day. She and others as well uh, pointed out there are lots of considerations that go into determining whether to lift the mass mandate. And those considerations extend beyond just what the science says. Uh, for example, how do you determine who's been vaccinated, who is not? How do you prevent unvaccinated people from taking off their masks? Uh, that's a real risk that the there is a real risk that the CDC guidance could end up decimating the steps like face covering and social distancing that have been instrumental in restraining the pandemic. You know, maybe offering the opportunity to take off one's mask as an inducement to get people vaccinated, maybe that's worth those risks. But the point is that this is a policy decision that the White House and the president's advisors should be making, uh, not one that the CDC, a scientific agency, one of several, should be making unilaterally. There was also the issue we mentioned briefly above. All the parties that would have to set the rules and take the steps to make a policy like this work were caught you know, completely by surprise. States and, and localities who make the actual rules the people have to follow. OSHA, which oversees the health and safety at workplaces, one of the primary settings where the CDC's new guidance will have an, an effect on how people interact. The EEOC, which also focuses on employers, private businesses, which will have to figure out how to operate with respect to workers and its customers. That's right, Vabe. And there was arguably another important party, maybe even a more important party that was surprised by the CDC's announcement, and that's the general public. Uh, the head of the CDC, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, uh, she made you know what amounted to a pretty drastic change in her agency's guidance in a, a short, few-minute announcement during one of the White House's regular COVID briefings. 
Now, those who have been immersed in the science know that, you know, this change in guidance wasn't as, as uh, sudden as it looked. Uh, there was a, a lot of it evolving evidence that this change came out of, and some of this we've talked about already, uh, that vaccinated people were unlikely to transmit the disease, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, most lay people don't follow the science that closely. You know, for them, this likely felt like a jarring about face and uh, may have left them wondering if they could trust guidance from agencies like the CDC at all. So, you know, paradoxically, in wanting to preserve the CDC's scientific independence, the Biden administration may have endangered the very credibility uh, of the agency that was concerned with protecting in the first place. One thing to note is that this guidance raises major equity issues. For instance, while no area of the U.S. has reached, you know, this so-called herd immunity, there are communities with lower vaccination rates that could suffer disproportionately if people stop wearing masks and engaging in social distancing. Um, rural communities, for example, tend to have lower vaccination rates than urban areas. Communities of color tend to have lower vaccination rates. If we lower our guard when it comes to mask and social distancing and the virus resurges, that could widen racial and geographical inequities that already exist. You know, another area in which inequities um, can arise is that if localities and businesses accelerate the use of vaccine passports, you know, which is paperwork that proves vaccination status as a way of determining who is vaccinated and who is not. While this is understandable from a health standpoint, you're also saying that people who have these documents could, would have privileges, uh, for example, in employment, travel, and other areas that people without the documentation would not. Yep. And just to you know, build on the discussion that we've started on equity issues, uh, you know, so far we've been talking just about the U.S., but in many countries, the vaccination picture is much more dire than it is here. You know, whatever the uh, issues that arise uh, in, in the U.S., uh, you know, they're dwarfed in some ways by the, the challenges that other countries are facing. India, for instance, just recorded the highest daily number of COVID deaths of any country during the pandemic. I mean, you know, you think about that, it's crazy that, you know, here we are, what we think of as sort of the waning of the pandemic. And, you know, they're hitting the highest number of deaths that have occurred to date. Uh, you know, in India and in, in many African countries, only a small fraction of the population has been vaccinated. You know, that raises the issue of how the U.S., as well as other developed countries, should respond and are likely to respond. Uh, in contrast to the U.S., where our supply of vaccine exceeds demand, even if we were to vaccinate 100 percent of our population uh, in these countries, demand far exceeds supply. And, and, you know, this should be concerned to everyone, regardless if you are, are in India or if you are in, you know, African countries. I mean, this is just really just major concerns on many levels. One is that every human being, regardless of geographical location, ethnicity, gender, et cetera, you know, should really have access to vaccines and the right to decide if they want to be vaccinated. But um, this is also of major concern because when you have a large unvaccinated population in which the COVID virus can circulate, there's a greater chance of what you talked about earlier of new variants surfacing. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's not as if this problem, to be fair, it's not as if, if it's gone completely unrecognized. I mean, there have been uh, some pretty prominent efforts to address it. An example is the COVAX initiative led by the World Health Organization, Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, and uh, CEPI, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, 
Uh, and the U.S. has announced it will donate uh, tens of millions of vaccine doses to less developed countries. But when the demand you know, that these countries have for vaccines is not in the millions, it's in the billions, uh, it's clear there's still a lot of work to be done. Well, Chris, that definitely sounds like a call to action. And, uh, you know, it also sounds like a good place to end for today. I'm Vabron Watts. And I'm Chris Fleming. Uh, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening. <laughs>